0: Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. All right, KISS
1: Army, you wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes, you're about to be Podkissed.
2: Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to a very special podcast. Today we're going to do side one of Crazy Nights. Yes, it's finally happening. Woo! Today is going to be one of those kind of crazy nights. Crazy Nights is the 14th studio album by the American rock band KISS, recorded from March to June 1987, released on September 15th, 1987. And today I'm joined by Chris Sinzak. Howdy. Chris Karam. Howdy, y'all. Matt Porter.
3: Happy to be here to add some extra crazy. (laughs)
2: Always. (laughs) And BJ Grant. Hello. How's everyone today?
3: great fantastic
2: good to hear good to hear so we're delving once again back into the 80s back into unmasked kiss and my memories of purchasing this album go back to warren ohio and we went to the eastwood mall so if anybody's from there you kind of know where i'm talking about and rodney jenkins and i got in his little chevy chevette and we went to the mall and we picked this thing up the day of release and i remember just As as we were driving away from the mall, Crazy Nights, the song itself comes on. It was such a good feeling, such a good song. And, you know, the good times just kept coming. And back then it was a new Kiss album, and all was right with the world. And it wasn't until uh, maybe I got older and more critical that I maybe looked at this slightly different. But uh, that kind of happens to all of us. Uh, Let's get an overall... Uh thoughts on the album from Chris sinzak
0: oh well, those of you that know me from my show or when I've told the story that I wouldn't be a kiss fan if it wasn't for this album and um it sounds funny to some people I'm sure um I was big into a lot of the hair bands of the time, and i know b j you hate that term, but if that's what I am <laughs> but um I was into you know boys and rat and stuff like that, and then um- and then I was watching dial m t v one day and I saw the video for reason to live. So I was the you know this was the height of the Power Ballad era and I loved the song and um they were getting a lot of airplay for their videos for this album and I liked it and um so I was like, well I kind of like Kiss now. And then my brother said, "Well, that's not really Kiss." And he went into his bedroom and came back out with a copy of Alive on vinyl and he says, "Listen to this. This is Kiss." And so to me, and then I heard Cold Gin and then that kind of was the clincher for me, but for me, it was—I thought it was great because you have a band that kind of has a duality of, you know, personality. Because I got into them in the non-makeup years with the stuff they were doing in the '80s, and then I got to fall in love with the stuff from the '70s. So it was all—all all that much better for me. But, you know, I think the album fits in really well with everything that was going on at the time. I—I I think the band gets unfairly slagged for it, and I think there's some really strong songwriting, especially for 1987.
4: Hmm. B.J. Cramp. Well, I was 13 when this album came out, and it was my first new KISS album, and I had, like, the previous year or year and a half or something, collecting all of the KISS albums and listening to them over and over, and, you know, the way I got into the KISS albums, I got them all, I didn't get them in any particular order, so, you know, and I was in middle school, so Hotter Than Hell, Unmasked Asylum, it was all just KISS to me, there wasn't really any separation, you know what I mean? Yeah, me too. And then... Crazy Nights was the first new KISS album that I got to anticipate and get, you know, the day it came out and go into the record store where the walls were covered with posters. And I bought a t-shirt with the album cover on it. And I loved this album when it came out. But, you know, of course, I was 13 years old. And some of the songs don't hold up, but I still have, you know, a lot of affection for this record, you know, for obvious reasons.
5: Okay. Chris Cam. Well, I bleeping love Crazy Nights. It's just a great album. It was my first uh, new release Kiss album uh, that I bought on CD as I bought my first CD player that year, so that was kind of neat. It just brings back memories of younger times, you know, being in my early 20s, young and stupid, and having fun, and just, you know, rocking out to this uh, album. And I I still love it. I think it's a great album. I don't get why it um, brings up such hate on some of the message boards, but you know what? That's their problem, not mine. Love it. Matt the Cat Porter.
3: Well, yeah, I think a lot of it. What I'm hearing from you guys is the same thing. It's kind of your memories of where you were at the time. I was going into college, and I think it was a fun time. I'm actually happy that we're talking about this today because I have been actually listening to the CD a lot because I just got a copy from Ian Murray. He sent me a copy from Australia, which it looks pretty much. They're pretty much the same album. The US one and the. Uh, Australian one only now that one is the one I got from Ian so it's you know extra special but the uh, I think a lot of it is really I mean it's not a gritty album it's not going to give you if you're looking for angst or any of that kind of stuff you're not going to find it really on this album but I think it's perfect for you know especially we're talking about the summer it's this time of year you know you're going to put the windows down put the music up drive around your hair's blowing around you know it's all that kind of stuff I mean I mean, I, it's not gritty in the way that this doesn't sound like guys living in the streets of New York. This is guys living in big Hollywood mansions. But its I think it's a really fun album.
2: I agree. And uh, you mentioned Ian Ian Murray. Uh, I'm actually holding the copy of Asylum that he sent me from Australia. And uh, I guess if we eventually put our collections together, we'll have the whole Kiss collection from Ian. But,
3: you know, uh, the Ian Murray. That's the, the good guy. Ian
2: Yes, he's a great guy. And Ian, I just want to thank you for your overwhelming support. And I'd also like to thank Andrew Jacobs because, man, talk about promoting our shows and just <laughs> loving the shows and being there for us. You know, we, we can't thank you guys enough, the people that take the time to spend some of your valuable time listening to us and help promote the show. We just want to thank you. And that goes for the Kids Room, Decibel Geek, and anything else in rock and or roll podcast so we, we just want you to know that we appreciate you
0: yeah he's a like a super fan for all our shows
2: yeah and well he has great taste yeah. <laughs> to be sure well i guess we should get into the track by track let's start with side one the song is of course crazy nights as written by Paul Stanley and Adam Mitchell, who has graced, uh, both the decibel geek and the podcast before Chris Sinzak. What are your thoughts on the great track, crazy, crazy nights?
0: I don't think you could ask for a better anthem from 1987. I mean, it, this, the, you know, a lot of these songs haven't aged well. Like you, you, wouldn't hear most of these songs and go, wow, this sounds like it could have been released today, but cause there's no rap part in the middle. But aside from that, um, it's a good eighties, eighties anthem. And, uh, You know, it's one of those songs that takes you back in time. I think Paul and Adam are a good songwriting team. And um, it's a great song to kick off the album. And I love the video. You can't beat Paul Stanley walking on the fans' hands, right? Yeah.
2: (laughs) You're right. You're right. I kind of forget that part sometimes. I always (laughs) thought it was like, okay,
5: is that real? Nah, this can't be, right? But. Mm -hmm. uh, Boots. (laughs) Yeah. Chris Cam. Well, let me. You know, it's interesting when I listen to this. Um, if you compare this album and this song to other Ron Nevison productions of the time, like Survivor and Heart and Ozzy, it shares one thing in common with all of them, and I call it the Ron Nevison crunchy guitar sound.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: Listen to Ultimate Sin. Listen to the two Hard albums he did, or, or Survivor's Vital Signs, and you will you will find the common thread in that crunch. What I call the crunchy guitar sound. Um, I I go with Chris. It's definitely a great 80s anthem. Obviously, Kiss was striving to come up with some kind of new, you know, rah-rah, let's get the fans going kind of anthem. And it's a great way to start off the album. Uh And it's also a great way to wake someone up if they've fallen asleep, you know, taking a nap, as my cousins used to do to me many years ago.
2: Just play this really loud?
5: (laughs) Yeah, they they would just cue it up on the CD player... And just turn it up to eleven, and all of a sudden I'd be. It, they they did it to me one time, and I woke up to woo, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what the you know, it's, it's a great it's a great in joke, and they even we even did a, a skit about it one time, but that's you know that's another uh, time and place. But yeah, great song, great song.
4: Bj, your thoughts? I think this is a pretty classic kiss song, you know, in structure and melody. I think it's not that far removed from the '70s, really, it's, besides it's, the production. Right. And uh, I I think it's a great great song, you know it's a great paul stanley song and you know it's a little bit corny but i don't think that's a bad thing
2: is it any personally. less cornier than shout it out loud
0: yeah right it's in the same ballpark
2: you know it's kind of like uh shout out loud's little brother or something like that yeah,
5: but the cheese but the cheese factor is is really good on this one yeah but it good. was, and i like cheese
2: yeah but again isn't there cheese in shout it out loud see i, I... I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I don't believe in, like, having to hide something that you like. You know what I'm saying? And I, don't believe, I don't believe in Zimmerman. There you go. But, uh...
3: <laughs> that's an obscure reference. Yep. Yeah. Good, though. My I don't believe
4: in that. Beatles.
3: I just believe in me.
4: Yoko and me, and that's <laughs> reality. But a
2: lot of people will say, like, this is a guilty pleasure. And whatever. To me, I like what I like, and it's as simple as that. And I don't see, is this song being any less or more disingenuous than Shout It Out Loud, which to me was like an attempt to get rock and roll all night again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, so definitely. how is this any different? It's basically trying to get an 80s rock and roll all night. You know? Yeah, and
0: I thought, I one thing that goes unnoticed is Bruce is soloing on this album, and on this song in particular. You know, everybody talked about in Revenge, Bruce found his balls and whatnot. I love his playing on this, especially the song. And I also have to give props to Tommy Thayer because when they bring it, they brought it back, a, you know, a couple of years ago for that tour. I thought it, I loved what he did with the solo, his reinterpretation of it. It almost made it have more of a '70s vibe. So I love this solo, and I love Tommy's solo for it.
2: I agree, and I think the only difference in Bruce's playing is that, you know, people say he was he was finally let off the leash, and it's not so much that; it's that Kiss was going. In a direction that the fans wanted them to go exactly that's really the deal on that Matt Porter your thoughts on crazy crazy nights
3: you know what I I'm gonna take this first of all in a totally different direction obviously everybody has a lot of love for this song but one thing on this album that is this album is perfect for this drinking game that I'm gonna introduce you all to right now now obviously KST has the corner on drinking we're not gonna take that away but if you take a shot every time you hear a woo or an ooh or an uh or a <laughs> ow, right? You're going to be pretty fu- shockered uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, so, I'm wasted already. I'm already. So, and I wrote down where these are, and uh, we'll point them out as we go track by track. But you figure right off the bat, you got the woo right at the start. Before the solo, you get a woo, and there's, you know, because that's who I am, ooh. So, you know, see, what, that's what we're talking about. You're all going to thank me when you're good and loaded later. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Good and loaded. That sounds like a (laughs) song that could have come off of Kiss album. You
3: know, good and loaded. If if Gene, if you want to take that song, give me credit. I I need the money. I can just hear the
2: lyrics would be something like good and plenty, good and loaded, something. I can just hear it.
3: (laughs) So, I I mean, really, again, obviously, like you all said, I think this is an anthem right in there with Shout It Out Loud. Do you remember the Gene Simmons Rock School show? Yes. To me, that scene where it's in, I think it's in the first episode that this, the kid named the Emperor, I guess his real name's Josh Bell, he's in his room, he's trying to find his place in the band, and he is singing at the top of his lungs And nobody's gonna change me because that's who I am and if you can't watch that and feel that excitement of exactly the way he feels and exactly the way that that song is moving him at that moment to me that's everything you take a song like this and I mean everything about it you know you're not gonna change me because that's who I am it could be freak it could be shouted out loud. It could be an anthem for everybody who just wants to turn this up. We love it loud. And I think to lead off the album with that, they could. this could easily be in the set this summer. Everybody loves it. It's a great song.
2: If this were a one-song album, meaning if this were the only song on it, it would still be in my collection. To me, this song symbolizes everything or typifies everything that is 80s Kiss. And people may be giggling about that, but I don't care. I remember those shows. I remember the fun of those concerts. I remember being there and I remember I, I seeing this tour and I remember Paul screaming, These are my people, this is my crowd and the lights came up. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: And it was it was awesome. Right. And anybody that you know there's the old saying if 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 you can remember the sixties, you know you weren't weren't there well if you want to say that kiss stunk in the 80s but you weren't there then i don't know what to tell you because there's a lot of people that were entertained a lot of people had a really good time
0: yeah this was my this was my kiss you know like this is the band i fell in love with i got into the makeup stuff too but you know these were the these were the guys i went and would see live so Uh there was and there was definite magic at those concerts you know even without makeup and costumes well, some makeup in different costumes, they they still would put on a hell of a show. I mean, it just, you know, the reunion tour and the reunion period was great, but I still have some of my most fond memories of the non-makeup era. I think it was just magical times.
6: Uh-huh.
7: Yeah, yeah! we got a song for you now! We're going to want you to help us with this one!
1: Let's go, Eric Can I hear?
2: Monster.com talking about the song Crazy Nights. It says that the song was intended to be the album's lead-off single long before the band had entered the studio to record the album. So, a typical Paul kind of thing. He wanted to make sure he got the uh, first song on the album. It reached number 65 in the U.S. The August 1987 single can be deemed a failure. A live performance video was filmed at the Olympic Auditorium, Los Angeles, California on August 8th, 1987 directed by Jean Perlien and Doug Friel, and I hope I never have to say those names
5: again <laughs> uh, I, uh, I just watched it before we started doing the show, the Crazy Nights home video
2: oh yeah, and let's, I guess we should talk about that a little bit, that's a, such a weird little thing because they didn't do that with all their albums and maybe because this one wasn't a huge success or something like that, you know well they put
0: in their hopes on this album so they were i think they were trying to go the extra mile to get any publicity they could for it because i mean i you know as much as they may talk crap about it now i think paul and gene viewed this as one of their best albums when they put it out i really do
2: in the 80s many bands were putting out these video compilations i remember docking and rat all these folks were putting out these three or four maybe eight songs on them and And it it was it was quite a a normal thing to have happen back then, but this was something that uh, we really hadn't seen from Kiss before.
3: Well, like we talked about on the last one, you know, MTV obviously kind of ruling everything, and they're trying everything they can. I mean, they want to be on MTV as much as anybody else, and obviously, you know, hey, look, let's throw as many hooks into the water as we can. They're making a ton of videos for it. So why didn't they do one for Asylum? they were busy working on crazy Nights. yeah right i
0: guess well, b,
5: and, and b arthur wanted too much uh, royalties for the look well there you go the jeans look yeah, yeah. right they the can't vid- all be they, no, they can't all be winners <laughs> the video,
0: that video comp was one actually one of the first kiss items i actually bought
5: really nice
0: Yep, i got in that this was when i got into the band it was like probably about eighty eight around the year after the album had come out and Yeah, it was one of the first things I went to the store. I bought that, and I bought uh, the Animalized Live Uncensored VHS. Yeah, and I remember thinking when I bought the video comp, I was like, wow, I don't have to wait for MTV to play these. I can watch them whenever I want.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's it's just strange that there weren't more of them or more releases along this line. This is the last Kiss album to have been remastered, and it's kind of sad that it stopped there because there's some still good stuff on the table that could have done a complete... Overhaul. Now I understand that the song have have all the albums been remastered for iTunes at this point?
3: I'm not sure. I think so. Even even Killers.
5: Yeah. yeah. You know that cracks me up when they say remastered for iTunes. It's just it's you know I mean it's I guess it's something to sell it, but if you really think about it, it's a total joke.
2: Well, there's people that are giving it rave reviews. So for those that Go that rock, God
3: bless
5: you. Know, it's, it's just that it's MP3s, and it's no, you know, that's just an audiophile gripe. Audiophile person, audiophile uncle. Uh-huh.
3: Well, re- re, uh, remastered for iTunes sounds cooler than ripped from my CDs. You know what so. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the reality of it.
2: As far as uh, the song "Crazy Nights." Only the song Crazy Nights was retained for the KISS setlist for the Hot in the Shade tour, which followed a couple years later. It was dropped after that tour would not return for nearly 20 years until the Sonic Boom Over Europe tour. This makes the album one of the least represented in the band's entire catalog over the course of their career in their setlist behind only their 1981 album, commercial flop, Music from the Elder. There's a little bit of kiss right there our next track is I'll fight
1: hell to hold you but when
2: Adam Mitchell and Bruce Kulick, Chris Caram, your thoughts on "I'll Fight Hell to Hold You"?
5: Well, for some reason, I'm just hearing that intro looping in my head because of the watching the Crazy Nights video. But Bruce really tears it up on this song. I mean, he doesn't even wait to the solo; he just starts wailing, you know, in that intro. And just yeah, I mean, what a great driving song, and not just you know for when I'm driving, but it really it really kind of kicks things in a high gear and you know I I still contend that Bruce really comes into his own on revenge but he definitely makes some really nice uh, solo statements here and he's like I said he's just tearing it up uh, great song great song
2: and there is a certain heaviness to this track uh, it, it almost could have worked on Animalize or something like that
4: yeah Brief. no this is pretty close to a heavy metal song I would say just not produced the way a heavy metal song might have been produced but
2: right it's just so slick BJ what are your thoughts
4: yeah, I think it's a great song. Um, I love the way it's put together, you know, the way it's constructed. Great riffs uh, and great hooks, you know, a great melody. And, yeah, the guitar work on it is awesome. I think it's a really, really cool song. Matt Porter?
3: Well, if you're playing along with a drinking game... We got ooh the jealous and the lonely. So you got to do a shot right there. There's a couple good in there. A couple more shots for you. Um, This one I was I was laughing when I'm making the notes for this because I think this would be another one that would be good in an 80s movie by Stallone. Chris, you got to get some Photoshop going. You know, it's it's again (laughs) just sounds like something that could be done. uh, You know, during a training montage or a driving fast montage or you know whatever montage we're montaging. So good song
2: perhaps at the end of it, you could have a montage of the montages. <laughs> exactly. With so a
0: song called This is the Montage Song.
2: Yeah. I, so the movie would be called Fight Hell to Hold You. Like, fight hell in big letters. Then
3: well, there's you know, the tagline you have, you know, he'll fight hell to hold her. <laughs> there you go. And who was the guy who did that song from Rocky IV? LaFontaine, that's the voice. That's what you want to find. Oh, Rock my God, he's song a legend.
4: Was, was John Parr? Robert yeah. Tepper, I think. Or Robert Tepper, Robert go. Tepper, yeah, he could he could do like no the final easy way track. out. You're talking about?
5: Yes, <laughs> yes, thank you, BJ.
4: There's a great he can, cover. He,
5: he can right. do that he can do that song for the montage that's in the montage movie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Chris Sinzak, your thoughts? I'll fight hell to hold you.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, now one of their <laughs> one of their more uh, complex songs. It's you know the production definitely lends to the '80s sound to it, but one of Paul's best vocal performances. I mean, he really uh, he really stretches himself on this song and. It's a the you know the pre-chorus riff and everything is very heavy and Bruce just plays his ass off on it. It's a really good song.
4: Yeah, I think this song was never going to make it into a set list just because of how high Paul sings. You know, yeah, it's a challenge. I don't think he ever would have wanted to try to do it live. Probably.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a doozy, and anybody that can sing it, God bless you. Uh, you want to impress me, American Idol? Do this one. Yeah. Now a little bit of the album background. Uh, After the Asylum tour had ended, KISS went on a couple months long hiatus due to Gene Simmons' career as an actor and a producer which made the band seem like his side job instead of his primary job. Paul Stanley stated that he got tired of Simmons' lack of commitment and one day told him, We were in the parking lot one day and I said to Gene, Look, you're off doing all these other things while still reaping the benefits of this band and I'm getting screwed. It's not fair to me. be putting to be putting in this kind of time while someone else who is supposed to be my partner is not and gene looked at me and said that's fair i could have used gene's input but my attitude at that point was that i certainly wasn't going to listen to a guy who's off managing cabaret singers and producing five bands while i was trying to make an album (laughs) ouch any thoughts on that
3: that's Ball's whole book right there
5: yeah Mm. He I, you can't blame him, you know. Looking at it from the perspective of the guy who's just basically the the main guy keeping the band going at that point. Uh-huh. That's the way I would look at it.
0: I think if Gene had yielded um, some of the benefits from it, some of the profits from it, I think Paul wouldn't have had as much of an what much of an issue with it. I think he enjoyed being in control of the band personally, but at the same time, he had a, he had a legitimate gripe because Gene's basically splitting everything with him, and he's not doing much of the work at all. So you know. Although, I do think Gene brought some pretty good songs to the table on this album.
2: I would agree. To me, it's no different than what's going on in your house, folks. Uh, somebody's There's probably one person that does the majority of the housework. one per- So that would be you, okay. <laughs> Anyhow, it always cracks me up. Like People say, like, wow, the toilet needs cleaned. And then someone will go, well, why don't you do it? <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> I just brought it to your
3: attention. <laughs> that's half the job—telling yeah. someone to do it. Yeah, that's upper or, management.
2: There was that little power struggle going on between them, and I've often wondered if Gene didn't look for validation outside of Kiss because you know we we went from the demon to whatever the hell was on the elder to back to the demon to Maud. the demon without makeup to Mod, <laughs> and. It seemed like he had lost his identity, whereas Paul, like, kind of blossomed without the makeup. I don't know. It, it had to be an, an interesting situation to be in that uh, that band. But that's all I'm gonna say. I don't.
0: Well, I think Gene Gene's also a pragmatist, so I think he probably was like, "Hey." Money's not rolling in. I got to go do something else. You know, I'll keep this here because that's what I'm tied to, but I got to go out and make money. And he did and you know, I can't blame him for doing that. I mean, he was probably looking out for his future. I think Paul has always been more about the music than the business side of it, so that's why Paul stuck it out. If Paul had Gene's mindset, Kiss probably would have ended in the early 80s.
2: Well, let me ask you guys a question. Was there really no money coming in? Or was it that you got used to $1978 coming in? And all of a sudden, 1978 came and went.
0: If you look at how, what, how they were spending their money, I don't think they had much money at that time. I right. Think that they, they blew a lot of it on bad investments, and, yeah. and um, they got ripped off by a lot of people, too. Right.
2: Plus, it probably helped the case to uh, kind of make sure that Peter Chris, did not sit happily for doing nothing. Uh, I believe that they kind of probably starved him a little bit, you know, to try to get him to make that deal where he took a, a lump sum and basically gave up his rights.
0: Yeah, I think he was making money on the albums all the way up till right before this came out, I think.
4: Yeah. Well, he was supposed to be, but yeah, I think um I think okay. Ken you're right, they weren't they weren't necessarily paying him what he was owed.
2: Or they were paying according him, to the contracts. Were, but but they um, were uh making him wait for it as long as possible
4: Yeah, and and this is the period Crazy Nights is the period when they bought him out I believe
0: also when they fired Glickman Marks right
4: Right. if I had
2: somebody that was a a silent partner basically that was getting uh, as much of a chunk of the money as I am for doing absolutely nothing I would make sure that the money would go back into the business instead of going into the profit sharing angle of it but that's just me I've often wonder if some of that was spinning, just to help substantiate that. But I guess we'll never know. I I, I, I mean I, I understand that we've read, uh, like the KC Lamp books and stuff like that. But to me, it's all relative. Like I said, if you get used to 1978 dollars, and then it's 1987, and you're not like the number one Gallup winning band anymore, you know. I wonder how that. Affects what you perceive as your bottom line, Chris. You were saying?
0: I think Chris Lynd's book. I think it's for the most part probably pretty accurate. But although at the same time he worked for Glickman Marks, who you know it was well known that they were taking they were skimming money off of them too. Everyone around them was taking money from them. And you're right, though they were they were used to being the 78 top band in the world. And like he says in the book, he those guys wanted to spend the money and then have the money still show up in a bank account. It doesn't work that way,
5: right? If like if you go by CK Lens Book and even Paul's, you know they were still flying in you know actresses and their girlfriends at the time you know to tour locations or they were flying out on days off you know I mean, that's not cheap.
0: Yeah, well the, the, stri- no. the description of the the way they spent money on the Australian tour in eighty is insane. They on the lost, other hand, they lost money on that tour.
5: Yeah, and on the other hand, I mean I'd probably pay money to have Lisa Hartman flown in for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would have back then, you know, but. Yeah. My, my I, you, you would now if you were single. She, no, she's just, married to some country guy now. Uh-huh. Clint Black, yeah. Clint Black, yeah. But yeah, you're right, Ken.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> you think you think that they were looking around as well, the fact, like, in the 70s, Kiss was maybe a little more unique and kind of stood out, whereas now by, like, 1987, it's the whole pack of hair bands, and they're just kind of part of the pack. I mean, there had to be, at least they're thinking a little bit like, like, wow, now a lot of people have suddenly figured out that this is the thing to do.
2: I don't know how much uh, stock I put into this or whatever, but I'm just going to read it. Although Simmons' participation was low for the album, he did contribute in providing Nevison with, and, and you know, typical Gene here, <laughs> with 20 to 25 songs that were potential material for the Crazy Nights album, including one song called I'm Going to Put a Log in Your Fireplace.
0: <laughs> That's original.
2: Hadn't he already done that? Put your log... I mean, I understand Gene likes to recycle, but that's a little too much recycling there.
6: This is not Gene Simmons of the Rock Group Kiss. You know, many people are on this gold-green kick, when in fact I've been on this gold-green kick forever. I've always been about recycling. If you have any of your money that you don't want... I'll recycle and put it in my wallet. You know, I was green before there was a Kermit the Frog. I've been green about as long as there's been an incredible Hulk. So, again, if you have any money yearning to be mine, please send it to me, Cav, the Kiss Corporation. Thank you.
5: Okay. This is a crazy, crazy episode. It is. (laughs)
1: leave Uh, that in
3: uh, oh that's funny
2: Uh, alright our next track (laughs) leave it
3: in that's another track
2: (laughs) yeah that's a Gene Simmons song leave it in leave it in (laughs) leave it in pull it out shake it all about I'm going to stick my log (laughs) in your fireplace I can see it written on your face Uh, now we're you know if Gene and Ace wrote a song together Gene would have all the cliches, and Ace would just do mandatory stupid rhyming.
0: It'd be songs about whiskey dick. Well, there you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Ace's songwriting. There's, Especially, like, you get to the uh, Unmasked album. It's just, like, whatever word rhymes, I'm going to put it here, even if it doesn't matter, you fit, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, although Paul Stanley's also guilty of writing a lyric, you're good looking, and you're looking like you should be good.
2: Yeah, but that at least makes some sense. You know what that's I mean? That's his favorite sure.
4: lyric. Yeah. <laughs> he asked what people's favorite lyric, Paul Stanley lyrics were, and I wrote, Good looking, and you're looking like you should be good, and that was his. That's oh, what he good. picked, too. That's one of his worst. <laughs> yeah,
2: See, I don't think that's bad. I think that's. I love it. It cracks It gets me. right to the point, sure. Yeah. It's you know, kind of like some people some have real good Paul Stanley taste.
5: Paul lyrical profoundness. Yeah, some
2: some some people have good taste. Some people taste good, you know. (laughs) 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 Woo! Our (laughs) next track, "Bang Bang You."
5: Karam, your thoughts on "Bang Bang You"? You know, Gene gets a lot of crap for some of his '80s songs, and and you know, probably rightfully so in some instances. But this is one where Paul, uh, can you you know explain this to a congressional committee? Uh, I'm gonna shoot you down with my love gun, baby. "Bang Bang You." I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's it's not a bad song, but it's just one of those songs where you go, Paul, you crap on Gene, but this is one where you gotta t- you know you gotta ex- you gotta you know explain this. You have to, you know, make amends for this. No, and, but no, it, it's okay.
2: And we've discussed uh, gene recycling. It's this is Love Gun recycled to
5: regurgitated.
2: Not a good degree, shall we say, Chris Sinzak.
0: Awful song. Just recycled lyrics. Really a generic riff. I have nothing good to say about this song. The, and the fact that they decided to play it live really mystifies me. There's so many better songs they could have played live than this one.
2: I would agree. On the other hand, I remember giggling a little bit about it as we were driving in the Chevy Chevette away from the Eastwood Mall, thinking it's a Kiss album. All is right with the world.
0: I remember my parents' reaction to hearing it.
2: Well, well, tell us, what was that?
0: (laughs) A lot of eye-rolling and, really? You think this is good, huh?
2: (laughs) Wow. What the hell is that?
5: What is that? Not me. That was me. That was me. What is it? It must like Oh, it was a rapper. Oh, <laughs> he's putting
3: okay. on his kid's condom.
5: I was gonna <laughs> say. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're supposed to bang bang you. So what the All hell? Right. you know? I gotta right. got be ready. It's
2: the eighties. It's you know, just say no and. Wrap uh... it before you tap it. <laughs> exactly. Did you guys ever see that? I forget what movie it was, but it's got <laughs> these these Indian guys are like. You've got to kick it, you've got to lick it, you've got to lick it once or twice before you stick it. I forget what movie it is, but that's always stuck
0: in my I head. Know, but I like that. <laughs>
2: anyway.
0: Should we mention that the original name for this album? Sure. Was it uh it was Who Dares Wins, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. And they, they also con- floated Condemnation, right?
3: Condemnation. Yeah. See how it all ties together? Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. That's great. BJ, your thoughts on Bang Bang You?
4: I would say this is one of the worst Kiss songs ever. It's oh, come pretty, on. pretty awful. Pretty awful song. Pretty terrible. Yeah, you know Paul killed it on the first two songs, and then this. <laughs> and I can't believe Desmond Child was involved in this song because there's barely a melody there. I, it's just yeah, it's pretty awful.
2: Yeah, the the pedigree of this song, it, it should be much better. Matt your thoughts well, on
3: Well, see that I am I'm, I'm going to agree. I mean, obviously it's not like the highlight of the Kiss catalog, but I think if you put it in the perspective, my brother actually calls this stuff Kiss aerobic music. He says this is when Kiss was making music for aerobics. So, uh, if you can imagine like a room full of girls in like bright neon like spandex and big, you know, hair and uh, you know, I'll earrings And I was going to say, it's for, you know, dirty minds and clean bodies. And, I mean, they even give you the one, two, three, four, take a breath, okay, everybody, inhale. And five, six, seven, eight, bend over. You know, you can kind of figure out. That opens with a woo and an ooh, so you got a couple more shots. (laughs) I've got you in the heart. You're going to be mine. Ooh, take a shot. You're playing along, and it sounds a lot better already, doesn't it?
0: Take an extra shot just to deal with this.
4: (laughs) this song makes you want to take a shot to the head. <laughs>
5: with a love BJ, gun. BJ, you scan. With, yeah.
4: With, shoot with yourself a down with the love gun.
3: Hey, if <laughs> you're taking you a shot to the head with a love gun, I don't want to know. That yeah. <laughs> that's that's between you
5: and your significant others.
1: <laughs>
5: this is almost trying to sound like a KST episode without the alcohol.
3: Yeah, I know. Well, see, I'm I'm encouraging. You can do shots of chocolate milk. It's up to you. It's up to (laughs) you.
0: (laughs) And a whole cup of coffee. Does that count?
3: (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
1: Exactly.
7: Yes, the Paul Stanley workout tape for dirty minds and clean bodies. I will show you how to get the body you always wanted and the woman it belongs to. Yes, the Paul Stanley exercise tape. Join
1: me, won't you?
7: all-stanley workout tape available where better videos are sold because a muscle is a terrible thing to waste
2: Condemnation of the Paul Stanley workout. It's all beautiful. It's all groovy, man. Next track is uh the boys trying to be Van Halen or something. No, no, no. no, no, no!
4: Yeah, exactly. This is kind of a poor man's hot for teacher. This song's kind of shamelessly a Van Halen impersonation. And um, Gene, in one of the books, Gene calls it a car accident, <laughs> which I think is pretty accurate. It doesn't really go anywhere except into the wall. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not a very good song at all, in my opinion.
2: Originally entitled Assume the Position. <laughs> <laughs> and later and later down on all fours
0: oh god down
1: on all
2: fours this song was written by Gene, Bruce and Eric Carr the song started out with a Bruce riff which he and Eric developed into a song idea at Eric's apartment in New York Gene later completed the song according to Eric I just set up a double bass drum beat on my drum machine I just got the feel in my head and started coming up with this real staccato stuff for the verse
4: I just set up an Alex Van Halen drumbeat on my drum machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this would be one of Bruce's favorite tracks on the album because it's the fastest ferocious thing and it features me a lot. There you go.
4: Don't you think Gene Don't you think Gene just had a notebook and when Bruce brought this riff to him he just <laughs> opened the notebook and started Assume the position, down on all fours. You know, just going down the list, trying wait, to find wait, something that Wait, wait, wait,
6: I've got it. <laughs> she sweats too much. No, uh... <laughs> Assume the position. The Who, was? No no, the that's, <laughs> no,
2: no, that's the name of the song you fool. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right, where were so, we? So, yeah, assume the position and down on all fours. Do you think it would have made a better song, and how would it have went in the song if, uh, you know... Assume the position. You know, I, I, d- I just, happen. I just can't figure out where, where it would fit. No, no, no. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, but down on all fours would fit, as I wonderfully sang it earlier.
2: Do it again.
1: <laughs> down on all fours.
4: <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> Down on us So that floors.
1: would work. The
4: and then and then Gene would have been able to use one of his amazing song titles that he had collected over the years.
2: So it would be something like <laughs> Down on
1: Off and
2: it would be uh Get Down on the knees or something like that. You can just kind of yeah, I can okay. Assume the well, position you know, They could easily And you know four rhymes
4: with four, so
3: yeah. I was going to say, you can oh, easily you change oh this if you, if you want to do your tribute to either Kissmas or All the Girls, and it could be Ho, Ho, Ho. Ho, Ho. ho. <laughs> so, you know, hey. Um, another Kiss And if they're Christmas in that song. spandex like what? we were talking what? about, here we go. Love it.
0: I think I remember Paul Stanley saying when he was interviewed about something, they asked, like, what is what's his least favorite Kiss song? And I think yes. he said. Gene wrote a song called "No No No," and we should have taken that advice.
5: <laughs> yeah, that was like in the mid '90s on MTV Europe or something like that. I believe. <laughs> but I will give I will give them credit
2: for trying to do something hard and fast and cool.
0: But this goes back to my theory that when they try to do these fast songs in the '80s, they usually fall in their face.
2: Right. But then again, you have the Paul Staley ones off of uh, Animalize and Asylum; those, those couple, you know, it's. Uh,
0: yeah, I think I've had enough as good, but uh, yeah, that's a not. Uh, there's not many of his at work either, in my opinion. Right.
3: We skipped over. I didn't yeah. tell you. There's at least four good oohs and uhs and there's at least four shots in that song. So you don't love it. It's got Bruce's good guitar work, but you know you can do a couple more shots, just if you're keeping up.
2: Four yeah. little drinky winkies <laughs> from the Kiss Bar. Yeah,
5: and I, I, I didn't get a chance to put on my two cents either. Oh, okay. And that's all I got, but I like this song. It's it's goofy, it's silly, but there's just something about it. I mean, I wouldn't put it on a playlist or a CDr of, like my favorite kiss stuff, but if I hear it it, it just kind of makes me makes me turn it up in the car or whatever. I, it's just fun, you know, what the hell? You got to have some fun and this is I think this is definitely one of kiss's fun albums. Right,
3: and that's my two cents. Well, and Bruce is tearing Bruce is tearing it up on the song. So I mean, I think in a way it gets it gets beat up because the lyrics are kind of so goofy. But uh, but I think his guitar work on this is fantastic. He's all over the map. Yeah,
0: musically it's not bad. It's lyrically it drags it down so much though. Like, what's, what's mine is mine and yours is mine. Listen here, babe, just sign on the dotted line. I was that was his first prenup I, I, with I,
3: Shannon. At oh. all. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I, I don't look for, you know, lyrical profoundness from Gene, so I don't rate it on those terms at all. I just
0: don't like how it drags it. Well, and his the way he sings it isn't very good either. It's But musically, it's a strong song. But lyric, lyrically and vocally, I just don't like it.
2: So I vote for him to recut it with Down on All Fours as the title. And hopefully he would change the lyrics up a bit. Gotta work back, backbone slip in there somewhere.
1: Of course.
5: you so, can do it with Bob Dylan.
2: Well there you go. Hey Mr. Kiss.
6: Kistery <laughs> Science Theater. The most civilized
1: yeah. <laughs> Oh f <laughs> Oh f- <laughs> me. Come on.
5: Respectful. <laughs> Just imagine Gene it's with like, like a with like a wash tub bath. boom 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 boom. boom, 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 boom.
6: And serious... No, wait. Excuse
5: me,
7: Bob! You're gonna come over and do my album!
6: <laughs> Kiss Podcast on the web. History Science Theory. We bust balls because we care.
7: Our next
2: track, Hell or High Water. BJ, take this one. This one's written by Gene Simmons and Bruce Kulik.
4: Um, it's okay. I definitely liked it more back then. I don't think it holds up very well. And I suspect Gene Simmons didn't spend a very, very long writing this song... <laughs> I think it probably came pr- pr- together pretty quickly, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but that's a, that's how what I get from a lot of Gene songs from the 80s is he probably just wrote it in 10 minutes and then recorded it. I don't know. It's alright. Not great. Well, as much bitch
2: slapping as I did the lyrics on No 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 and uh, whatever, I really do like this song. I'm probably the only one, but...
5: <laughs> oh I, no. Oh no.
2: I really like the chorus, and uh, Bruce's solos is just fantastic. This is Gene at least trying, shall we say, lyrically. Chris Caram.
5: You know something, Ken? One of the things I love about this album is that Gene actually does some singing, and not yeah. just in his demon voice or his, you know, typical voice of the '80s. And this is a song. I love this song. This song is great. I think it's you know Gene actually putting a little effort into it. Actually, singing, and I think it comes off great. It's still one of my favorite songs on this album. And I'd put this on a playlist any day. Um, this is a really good example of Gene actually, for me, actually stepping up and, and making an effort. Great, great song. Still love it to this day.
0: In my opinion, one of the best Kiss songs of the non-makeup era. Wow! Yeah, one I mean, of one of Gene's best songs, period. Um, and, you know, you guys already stated it pretty well, but like Gene actually using his singing voice is really good. This is one where the Crazy Nights Ron Nevison production helps it. I think this song works perfectly with that production. Um, and Bruce's solo, man, especially the end of it with the uh, syncopated drum part at the end of the solo. I mean, forget about it. it's awesome. I love
3: this song.
2: Matt Porter, your opinion on Hell or High Water and our drinky-winky
1: count.
3: You know, there's no, there's nothing to drink about in this song except for the fact that he could be crying in his beer because obviously it's kind of a depressed demon which I'm not really a huge fan of. I mean, it's funny considering most of the songs on here are like super, super upbeat. You know, if you look at the cover, everybody looks so super serious and nobody's really smiling and here he is, he's all alone and she's gone and you go... But, Gene, aren't there just a line of girls out the front door? Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I love Bruce's guitar work and I'm not so much a fan of, obviously, the kind of sentiment that he's just so upset. Not what I was looking for at all in this song.
2: Hmm. Well, it does have a yeah. So there's one, at least one drink in there, right? Well, no, wait, no, we'll there's we'll two. There's two. That. There's two of them. Yeah, yeah. So. All there's...
3: right. All right. Good. Well, quick drink.
2: Gulp, gulp.
3: Anybody who's playing along, I you can should be pretty get, good in, you know, along at this point.
2: I can barely get any good scotch around
3: here. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you got this song. He's saying, "Poor me, poor me, pour me another, another drink. One,
2: yeah. Pour yeah. some drink on me." <laughs> <laughs> Written by Gene and Bruce Kulick. The initial idea for the song came from Bruce during the Asylum tour, with Gene adding the lyric and song title. When refined for use on the album, the tune was performed live during the Crazy Nights tour of 1987-1988.
0: I'd like to hear them play this song live now. I think it'd be great. I think it would work.
4: Hey, you know what? Uh, assume the position would work as the chorus of this song.
2: <laughs> oh no! <laughs>
6: assume oh, no. the position.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait for BJ's solo album. Oh, okay. yeah, you put that on your album. <laughs> <laughs>
5: BJ's solo album of unused Gene song titles. <laughs> and now well, the I've greatest heard, non-hits of, of Gene Simmons.
3: <laughs> Six foot cardboard skeleton, never mind.
0: He was gonna write a song called Scratch and Sniff on this album.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Scratch and
2: sniff. Wow. Go gene. <laughs> Next song, uh
1: My Way. Hey, I'm Talk about a song that's hard to
2: sing. Yikes. This one is tough. Written by Paul Stanley, Desmond Child, and someone with the last name of Turgon, which sounds like a Star Trek villain. Do we
4: know anything about Turgon, BJ? I is that Bruce Turgon, I think yeah. the name is? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Bruce Turgon. Yeah.
0: He was in Foreigner and... Um... Oh,
4: he was in Black Sheep. That's right. He yeah, was I... in... Uh, that was Lou Graham's band before Foreigner. Yeah, he, he was also
0: in uh, Atomic Playboys.
4: And uh, Black Sheep opened for Kiss. Yes. I know, so...
5: Yeah, I think he was a later member of Foreigner, like, in the 90s.
4: Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah.
5: Before, I, I think, think before, wrote, like, Lou Gramm split and...
4: I think he co-wrote the whole Lou Gramm Ready or Not album uh, with Lou Gramm. That's a really good album, in my opinion. But, hmm. Yeah, I remember reading that now that he was from Black Sheep, yeah.
2: Matt Porter, your thoughts on my way.
3: You know, again, super upbeat. Sounds like it could easily be one of those songs in a soundtrack or maybe the theme song to a cheesy 80s sitcom or, uh, But yeah, it's a good song. I mean, it's not my favorite song on the album, and I don't think there's anything to drink about in this song.
2: Well, there's always something to drink
3: totally about if you're your song <laughs> Yeah.
2: Chris Sinzak?
0: Uh, I'll Take the Highway.
3: <laughs> okay. That's, that's the alternate title. I'll yeah. Take the Highway. Well, well, you it.
0: can have my way. I'll Take the Highway. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. I don't know. If I was an 11-year-old prepubescent girl and needed inspiration, to be a great song. <laughs>
5: Oh, slam. Woo!
0: But other than that, no. I don't don't like it much.
5: (laughs) Chris Caram? Well, let's just say that Paul Stanley ain't got nothing on old blue eyes. If you're going to call a song my way, you better come up with something better than this. Frank Sinatra should have beat up Paul Stanley over this song. It's not a bad song, but, you you know, don't... You can't call a song my way when Frank Sinatra kind of owns it, in my opinion.
2: Well, if this would have been a Kenny Loggins song...
5: (laughs) Oh, no. It would
4: have.
2: It, it could have worked. I mean,
5: yeah, it would have been the soundtrack to Top Gun, two. Uh, Part
4: two. And yeah. I believe Paul Anka owns My Way, actually. Yeah. He, he, right. <laughs> but, yeah, well, yeah, wait. That's, wait a second. Know,
1: that's, yeah, but that's the, the, the Frank song.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but.
4: It, yeah, but he didn't write it, so. Doesn't
5: matter.
2: Yeah, but Lang. we 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 want to let people know that Paul Anka owns the Frank Sinatra. Uh, signature song if you will my way not
5: the kiss version so we don't want people thinking that's what (laughs) we're So we're we're not going to
0: get a cover of Paul Anka singing the kiss version of the song?
5: Wouldn't it have been funny if Frank Sinatra had actually covered this My Way as well? That would have been great. (laughs) Oh the heat
2: is on
5: and (laughs) my my back (laughs) is
2: against the wall (laughs) you know it's (laughs) tough to be (laughs) strong
7: in a world
2: that makes you crawl
7: (laughs) oh I'm never gonna
2: stop Right. I'm I never going to give up the in the boy. fight, because <laughs> after <laughs> the battle is it. done, all you've got left is your pride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk but like I right talk,
2: walk like I walk, it's my
0: way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to go know? where That's I go,
2: good. ain't saying
0: no, it's my way. Put that thing up on iTunes and I will buy it. Okay.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the Rat Pack for the... We, the Rat Pack covers My Way by Kiss.
0: <laughs>
5: All right, uh, Dino. Dino, put your drink down. We're recording, baby.
0: So is he? he's going to do Ace songs, right?
5: Shock me.
3: I, we need a whole segment, uh, Frank Sinatra Sings Kiss. That was really good. Oh, it was you. really good. <laughs> but, like, uh, right off the top of your head, I, I'm impressed.
5: Well, it's That's what I do. I'm you I man. hear you calling. Stop yep. calling. We got work to do, baby.
3: Hey, baby, I'm
5: trying to do a thing here.
0: So, Ken, would you would you do some of those for my Christmas and July shows?
5: Sure, why not? You really like my limousine, baby. <laughs> you really like <laughs> the way the, way the way wheels, the
3: wheels, wheels roll. they roll. Naked That's right. City. I want Naked City. That would be great.
2: But you know, I was saying that it's like a Kenny Loggins song. We've got the heat is on. My back's against the wall. Here in the danger zone. It's a jagged edge we climb. You
5: want to Frank Sinatra stuff in this episode?
2: I probably will. Yeah. It's very
0: 80s cliche. Yeah,
2: it's it's very soundtrackish. So take it well, for what it's worth.
4: Yeah, Paul supposedly wrote this song on the keyboard, which you can kind of tell. I I like the song, but it's pretty it's a pretty awkward transition from the verse to the chorus, I think. Um I don't know. Maybe it maybe it worked better just maybe it, when if he played it on piano or something, it would work better. I don't know.
2: Oh, I'd like to actually hear that played on the piano. Yeah. If anybody can play the piano and can record it, just play this track and send it to us. I'll use it in this show, I promise.
7: That's right, Kisame, we're having a rock and roll party and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Have Clinton Harris, and D-Rock. I Join cry. us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. Kiss! That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com.
4: We'll see you there.
7: Well,
2: we want to thank you for spending your valuable time with us here on Podcast, and we'd like to point you towards... The Decibel Geek Show, hosted by Mr. Chris Sinzak.
1: Chris, Our, tell us a little bit about your show.
0: Uh, you can check us out at decibelgeek.com. We put a show out every week, usually lots of kiss stuff, and uh, yeah, lots of interviews, year reviews, all that good stuff.
4: BJ Cramp. Rock and or roll podcast, that blogspot He is the show. he is the reluctant
2: host of the Rock and Or Roll Show. And Chris Caramba, you kind of like our man about town when it comes to podcasts and you seem to show up everywhere
5: oh yes oh yes and uh <laughs> well you
2: <laughs>
1: wish upon a star anyway We
3: well, know right. before we wrap it up yeah. I want to say if anybody played along with the drinking game post pictures and we want to see them and, they're not going to work with that
2: and and don't name it after <laughs> us whatever this actually happens.
5: this actually could be like the basis for a history science theater episode if you think about it well we love do, KST yeah.
2: we love KST Definitely. Awesome. Can't say enough good about him. Mr. Matt Porter, of course.
3: Obviously, you can go to thekissroom.com. If you're a podkiss listener, you are probably already aware of the KISS room, so I'll leave it at that.
2: And, of course, we want you to join us on the next KISS room, live December 19th, broadcasting directly from moncoradio.com, and you'll listen to some live KISS music, so check it out. We'll give you details on the podkiss page as well. And if you're going to be in the Philadelphia area on December thirteenth, go see Kiss It with Chris Giordano. Chris, tell him about it.
7: Woo! Good people. That next week, if you're in the Philadelphia area, Kiss It will be celebrating Christmas by doing a show for the children. We are going to do a show. For the Toys for Tots charity at the School of Rock in Fort Washington. And all friend's main attraction will be on the show. The whole thing starts in the afternoon. And it will be on at 7.45. So I want everybody to come out. And all you gotta do, if you want to get in for free, all you gotta do is bring an unwrapped, non-violent toy. And that will get you in the door. So free with a toy or $5 at the door, Kiss It, Main Attraction, people from the School of Rock, at the School of Rock in Fort Washington, and people, this all happens December 13th, next Saturday, Woo! That's right,
2: you can help. Go see Kiss It and give some Toys for Tots. We encourage you all to share some love this season, so get out there and help some people and... Put some smile on some faces and let everybody know you care. And thank you for joining us for our discussion on Side 1 of Crazy Nights. Join us next time as we all dive into Side 2. Stay safe, stay warm, and stay happy. S-A-D-P-Y-T.
0: And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd
2: like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podkiss at gmail.com.
0: Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information
1: there and a terrific message board, too.
2: Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Criss, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick eric singer tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great eric carr and the late great mark st john you are kiss and we are your army
1: podcast
0: is created by the kiss army for the kiss army and it is available for free as an internet download if you like what you hear on our show go buy it and support the
7: people who made it podcast is not affiliated with kiss or any of its members past or present
4: On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears.
0: After these messages.
5: (laughs) We'll be back to Podcast.
3: (laughs) Don't do drugs. (laughs) Say
5: no to drugs.
3: Here's some rubbers.
5: (laughs) Yeah, there you
3: go. Here's some KISS condoms. One time at band camp.
0: You don't need sunglasses, you got the w- fingers for the windshield wipe.
2: <laughs> the Paul Stanley thing, you know. <laughs> Chris Sinzak, your, your thoughts on the great song, As the Stupid Dog Barks?
0: I think the dog wants to chime in.
2: <laughs> she wants to talk about Crazy Nights.
0: That dog wants to talk about Gene's Asshole album.
2: I like that
5: album, actually.
0: <laughs> I do too, actually. I, l- I think it's so eclectically cool.
5: Complete and utter wow. crap. No, oh, it's got variety. I don't I've got understand that make that album sound like crap. I don't
2: understand how people are so mixed on things like that. You know what I mean? It's like Rising Force over at FAC. It's like Gene Simmons couldn't do anything right. You know what I mean? It just, I just don't understand. But uh, anyhow, okay. Well, let's try this again. Besides, we all have to deal with shit at some time or another through the days. Yeah, so. with a
3: lot of shit in this house. I'd rather.
2: There so, you go. Trust on, me. There's times I'd rather deal with real shit than the garbage people
5: put you hey, that, through.
3: that's why I'm coming up with drinking games. Well,
5: there you go. All right, good man, good man, Matt.
3: I would have never thought to do that. That's what makes you awesome. Well, you know what? I have. I actually did write them down for each song. We will note them as we go. So. Cool. There
5: you go.
2: The next track is I'll fight Hell to Hold You. Written by Stanley, Adam Mitchell, and Bruce Kulich. but 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 Bruce, <laughs> Kulich. It Bruce sound- Kulich? Yeah, Kulich, it sounds like a Hungarian food source. <laughs> anyway, um Did everybody get kicked out? No, you
3: did oh, there you are.
0: Oh, okay. Let's say is- it said everyone was kicked out on my screen.
3: Nope. Oh, okay. screen no, we lies. were we were acting like we were slaughter and we only kicked you out. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who is uh <laughs> Who is Mama Duck Says Quack? You know what? That He could write a new song called Put Your Laundry in the Washing Machine.
4: See? <sighs>
5: Up next on Ken Mills Family Jewels, Matt Porter makes a guest appearance.
0: Ken <laughs> <laughs> Mills Family Jewels.
5: <laughs> yeah, this this is this turning out to be the Ken Mills Family Jewels episode of podcast. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, 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 we're definitely, we, we support you, Podfather. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you visit Carrot Top, don't hold on to that thing. <laughs>